Jenny Turner with Lovejoy Real Estate. Today we're here talking with Stephen from Academy Mortgage around what interest rates are doing, what the market's like, and what programs are out there to help buyers succeed in this market. Welcome. I'm Stephen Bowden with Academy Mortgage and I'm here to talk about uh, interest rates and tax statements today. I had a client on Friday say to me, hey Jenny, did you know rates hit eight? And not only did they hit rate eight, but like now we're in eight, like eight and a quarter, we're, we're there, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing out there? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, definitely interest rates are in the eights. Um, a lot of people are surprised by that because we were all kind of told. I'm kind of surprised by that, Stephen. I know. I'm surprised <laughs> by that. I mean, we, we were all actually told like, hey, once inflation's under control, and this is the feds, the feds are out there talking all the time, right? Um, once inflation comes down, interest rates will come down with it. And, and inflation has come down. Like a lot of those numbers a lot. look pretty good. Yeah, year over year, we went from 8.2 to 3.6 right now. So that's a lot. Um, and so we look at that and they say, well, we want unemployment. So big companies, over 500 um, employees lost, what, 80,000, 90,000 employees last month? Mm -hmm. So those things are all happening. So we're like, okay, wait, Job hold reports on. Are good. Yep. Why are rates going up if inflation's at 3.6, people are losing their jobs? And so there's a thing called quantitative easing and quantitative big tightening. Okay. Um, so a lot of us remember those amazing interest rates we had during COVID. Um, that was actually quantitative easing. So when COVID hit, the government was like, hey, um, we need to do something about right. this, right? All these people are going to be unemployed and all of this and that, and we just need to, to, to stir the economy up and, and fix so they things. Fix things. And they, so they, what they did is they purchased a ton of mortgage-backed securities. So that was easing, right? And what the quantitative easing, easing and tightening, they call it QT and QE, um, of course. Of course. And so, but what it does is they can manipulate the long-term rates. So right now, what they what they do is they can go, okay, we're raising the Fed rate, which is checking, or not checking, but it's anything you go into a bank for, right? Yep. Car loans, credit cards, student he, loans. Home equity lines of credit. Home equity lines of credit, all that stuff. But they can't actually tell mortgage lenders what our rates should be. But they can artificially mess with our market with their trillions of dollars. So they invest as an investor. So they invested as an investor during COVID to bring them artificially low to stimulate the economy. Yep. So now what they're doing, in addition to the Fed increase, which is all your banking products, they're now mass selling mortgage-backed securities. They did $30 billion in mortgage-backed securities today, just flooding today, the market. flooding the market. Well, you have a supply and demand, right? You yep. flood the market, there's a lot of supply there, your costs are going to, it's going to mess with your cost. Yep. And so that's caused us to really sit into that 8% rate. And so that's why it's kind of weird, right? Because we're, we're scratching our heads going, inflation is down, people right. are getting laid off, what is going on? They, they're quantitative uh, tightening right now by mass selling mortgage-backed securities. Can you make them stop? I would love that. <laughs> Somebody actually wrote a petition. It was last week, Realtor, uh, as well as the mortgage banker, the head of mortgage bankers, and a couple other people actually wrote to them and said, stop, please stop. So we'll see, but I do feel like we're at that top of that mountain, right? A lot of the things that they asked for are right there. I think we're a couple months away from being at the top of the mountain to where hopefully we're going. It's hard because it's not um, just housing, right? Like it's all the jobs that housing creates and yeah. all the things that trickle when people buy and sell and move and do things and movers and construction. Like there's a lot of our economy yeah. that's affected by home sales yeah. and affordability is tough when rates are 8%. And I know, I know people say, well, like I remember 1981 when rates were 21%. But like, A, I don't remember that. And B, I don't care. Like, yeah. it's hard for our buyers out there today yeah. to, to make the payment that's associated mm -hmm. with that 8% interest on our average sales price of 565 or whatever, right? Like, yeah. it was one thing in 2000 when rates hit. It last, do you remember the number you told me where the average sales price was, what, 155 or something? 155 in 2020 when rates were at 8%. Or no, 2000. In yeah, the year 2000. 2000, rates were at 8%. 
but the average house price was what, 155? Yep, and that's national, right? Not Portland. Yeah. But still, we're sitting at 655 here. Yep. That's a big increase. That's a huge increase. To now still have that 8% interest. It, it we, is. And knowing that we're probably not at the top yet. No, no, not at all. And, and one thing we are still seeing though is people buying, right? You're still seeing people buy? Totally. It's an affordability issue. Mm -hmm. And the people who are buying and the people who are selling are buying and selling because they have a reason, right? Yep. They got a new job, they lost their job, they're moving, they retired, they had a baby, they got married. Yep. We're seeing lots of first time home buyers buy because those buyers, if they don't jump into the market, the market's leaving them. Yeah. Because although house prices have softened a little bit, prices overall are still going up. They're not going up as fast as they were, yeah. but overall prices are still going up. And so if prices are still going up, if those buyers don't jump in, they're going to miss the train. Yeah. And what, what I always, what I'm saying now, you know, and I purchased a house this year, right? And yeah. I'm an analytical lender, right? Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I have a high interest rate. What I see happening though, is you have all this pent up demand, right? Mm -hmm. So much pent up demand. You have the person that says, well, I refuse to get out of my house at a three and a half percent rate. And I'm going to wait till they come down to six, or I'm going to wait for this. and I'm going to wait for that. Uh, but if you still hate your house, you still hate your house. Now you really hate it even more. And that's where it's getting pent up, right? You're like, I really am going to do this. And we had another kid during this period while we've been waiting. So as soon as that market does shift, yeah. then the people that will purchase now are going to refinance. And at the exact same time, their equity is going to shoot up because right. everybody's going to jump in. So I always say, you know, it's kind of like a graph. It's like, hey, you could buy now and then... You know, you, you, your rate goes down and your value goes up. I mean, this is still a great time to buy. Well, and with those other programs, you have like a two-one buy-downs, 100% yeah. financing things. There's still opportunities from a lender's standpoint to get in well, as right, long as you can afford it. Right now, we can get your offer accepted with closing costs. Uh -huh. Or, I mean, I wrote an offer yesterday that I think is going to get accepted. Ten grand under asking with the seller to put a new roof on. Well, yep. that's amazing, right? Like yeah. two years ago, I'd have been like, here, I'll give you a new roof. I mean, I don't know, right? Like yeah. it was just such a different market. We gave away the farm. And mm -hmm. I always tell, you know, I'd rather pay two or $300 more a month than write a check 50 to 75,000 over asking and yes. no repairs. Yeah. Now it's, hey, I'm going to offer asking if it's priced well. If it's yep. not priced well, I'm going to offer under, right? We, we have to have true values now, which is great. It feels yeah. good as a buyer. Yeah. Um, not as great as a seller, but that's why you listen to a good agent yep. and you price your house the way that it should be priced. Yep. Don't get stuck in that, um, you know, what my neighbor sold for two years ago or... The data doesn't yeah. really work right now. No. Like even for the most analytical side of things, I can price something based on the data and be wrong. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's like that art, right? Like I always say pricing is an art, not a science, but that art part right now is super important because how is that house going to present? I was talking yeah. to a seller over the weekend and they have a flight of stairs to their front door. And I'm like, okay, condition and presentation is going to be really important because some buyers are never going to look at that house because of the flight of stairs. Mm -hmm. You know, you get older people who can't do stairs. You get somebody like me where my dad has mobility issues and I could never have Christmas if I bought that house. Yeah. And so it's like, we shrink the buyer pool. Now things like, how does it show? How does it look? Yeah. All those things matter so much more. And then how is it priced? Mm -hmm. Right? Like we're going to have to price at the lower end of my range, not the higher end yeah. of my range. And in 2020, I could take the higher end of my range, add 100000 and my sellers would still get 50 grand more. Yeah, it's was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I heard something the other day where people were focusing. You can focus on whatever you want in this market, right? Yep. And they said, well, look at all these price reductions. There's this many percentages of homes that have price reductions. Price reductions are different than values of your home. Totally. And a lot of people will take just the price reduction thing and think, oh, well, the market is crashing. No, you had a whole bunch of people that didn't either A, didn't have a good agent, B, didn't listen to their agent, or a variety of other things. And sometimes we just don't know. And sometimes right? you don't know. Yeah. And and it could be just weird, right? But just because you see a, pri a price reduction doesn't mean that the market is going down. And I think a lot of people don't realize that if you look at the what the actual values are, values are still up. Yeah. 
or flat. But guess what? When you make a mortgage payment, you're still, it's like a long-term savings. I always say it's your house 401k. You make a payment every month and a chunk of that, your balance is going down. You're building your equity, even if the market's flat. So when the market does turn, we have all this pent-up demand, refinance, value goes up. And I'm super anti-debt. So like I would rather have $100,000 less in my mortgage because I was able to pay. I didn't have to over overpay by $100,000, right? Yet my mortgage payment every month is a little bit higher. Um, No, it's, it's interesting. So Talk about those first-time homebuyers who are jumping in. What kind of programs right now does Academy have or have coming up that's going to help that first-time homebuyer just be able to get their foot in? No, totally. So so we actually have a lot. Um, We have one first-time homebuyer program that's 100% finance. A lot of it depends on your credit score, some of that stuff. We don't have geographical restrictions, um, but it's mainly, you know, and you also don't have to have a certain income limits, which is nice. A lot of the bond programs and some of those programs limit how much income you have or limit where you have to buy. So these are kind of unrestricted as long as you qualify for the program. So um, depending on credit score, I have multiple different options. So for people with lower scores, we can do 100% financing. It's either piggybacked on an FHA loan or piggybacked on a conventional loan. Okay. Um, If you have a little bit better scores, we'll actually let you borrow up to 1% extra towards your closing costs on a conventional loan or 1.5% extra of your closing costs on an FHA loan. Okay. Um, so those are some of them. And we were about to roll out another program that has no mortgage insurance with really low down as well. So lots of different options. And I always tell people, I don't want to tell you what program you're going to fit into until I've seen your scenario. Right. And then we'll figure it out. The nice thing is instead of having just one option, it's like, okay, we have this option and this option and that one, uh, which makes it nice. We can also, you know, for somebody that is doing, say, just 3.5% down FHA, we can piggyback that on like a 2-1 buy down. Or something like that, where the seller is paying for that, where their rates two percent lower than today's interest rate. So, say we're at eight percent, you're actually start at you know six percent, right? And then go to seven, and, and then, then seven, go to eight. and then eight. And the, ultimately, the goal there would be to refinance at some point. Uh, any of our clients that have rates over seven percent, we're refinancing at no lender costs moving okay. forward with no restriction on the time frame. So that's always nice. So we're like, they're like, oh, I'm gonna have to pay all these lender fees again. No, because we're gonna do those without. Yep. And you're doing that as a benefit of working with Academy now. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. And the nice thing about the FHA options, like you mentioned numerous that were FHA, today in this market, I can get that FHA offer accepted, mm-hmm. which you know, two years ago, I was like, don't give them FHA. Like you if can. you give them FHA, I can't get anything accepted, right? Our market was not a first-time first time home buyer friendly market. I mean, yeah. I, I would get buyers that you know didn't have 50 grand above and beyond what they were using to give to a seller and they were buyers. Yeah. That was a great time to be a first-time home buyer. Yeah. I mean, not only that, I mean, if we can do 100% financing and they can get the seller to pay a chunk of those closing costs, or if they can pay their own closing costs and get that reduced payment until those rates mm-hmm. come down. There's, so there's so many solutions, which is why it's still a good time to buy because when we you shoot just, up, that pent-up demand, yeah. right? And then they're going to be patting themselves in the back. I'm so well, glad and like 6% that. is a new 3%. Yeah, like if 100%. we hit 6%, I mean, the floodgates are going to open it, in my opinion. 6% is absolutely right? a new 3%. Because people have gotten used to, those were not realistic rates. 3% mm-hmm. rates were quantitative easing by the government, buying trillions of dollars of mortgage-backed securities, giving us an artificial low because of COVID. We're not going to see those again for a really long time. So rates are something. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about what happened this week also, because a lot of us got little papers in the mail. Yes. And some of us might have forgotten that um, some of our mortgages didn't cover our taxes. Yeah. So um, two different colors, yellow and green. What does that mean? So what you can see on here is it'll actually say right on your actual statement. Show it up higher. Which one is it? That one. This will actually show your lender is paying your mortgage on your behalf. So it basically says our records indicate mortgage company on the Oregon Department of Revenue has requested property tax statement. If you get that one, then 
your mortgage company is paying. Yellow for, is good. Green is bad. Yellow is good. Green is bad. Bad as in you have to write the check. Green, yellow is is your lenders writing the check. The I mean, big, I already wrote the check right on that one. I just forgot I hadn't written the check on the green one. The thing about this is that you might end up with one of these when you should have gotten one of these. And so call your lender yeah. and say, I've gotten a ton of calls in the last few days. Stephen, what, what color am I? And should I be paying my taxes or should I not? That's yeah. the easy way to do it. Yeah. Because if you've, and here's the one thing that can't ever change. And this is what I told the client yesterday. If you've always paid them on your own, you're going to always pay them on your own. If your lender took care of it last year, they'll take care of it this year, right. regardless of what color you got, because your lender can't change your terms. Yep. They can't get rid of your escrow account just randomly. That's part of what you closed with. Yep. So if you've always had the, your lender pay them, they'll continue to pay them, even if you get the wrong color. Some of us just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> the nice thing about it, if you are paying them, because there are some benefits, yeah. right? Like my in-laws own a house here in Portland as a rental property. And when they bought it, they just chose to have it paid themselves. Mm -hmm. And so one of the green ones I got in the mail was theirs. And I have to go through and pay that. No big deal. They have money in the bank account because it's a rental and they've been putting money in all year. And so there's money sitting there yeah. to pay it. But so some, some buyers like that, like some buyers prefer uh -huh. to do it. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about it, if you get the bill and you pay it all in advance at one point by November 15th, you get a 3% discount yep. and our lenders always pay it by that timeline, right? So the lenders mm -hmm. always give you that discount. Uh, if I don't want to pay it all upfront, then I can do a third, a third, a third. Not mm -hmm. get that discount. Yep. But like, it's a pretty, I mean, 3% is kind of a big discount. It's it motivating nice discount. to go ahead and pay it off. It totally is. And, and honestly, paying your taxes and insurance just in general when I'm closing loans for people, it's a personal preference. I always tell them, are you good at saving? Yeah. You're not good at saving? You can go to your lender after you've closed and, and say you started out and you didn't want to have an escrow account. You can actually go to them and say, you know what, I would really love to establish one. To do oh. that, you do have to fund that though. So yeah. you have to write them a check, get enough money in that account. So that you can make up, so say taxes are due in six months. Well, they don't have enough in there. So you might have to give them six months worth of taxes. And then that way they can just take over. But that is right. an option to do after the fact if you want to. A lot of lenders, a lot of people don't realize you can add an escrow account later. It might be nice if like you thought it was a good idea and then yeah. the bills come due November 15th in Oregon, yeah. right? Because our tax year is July 1st to June 30th. Pay mm -hmm. payable a number, which is a weird like run on a fiscal year. It it's a weird. Make any sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every time I'm working with a buyer with an out of state lender, I'm like, oh, this is never going to work. Yeah, they, like, they mess up the they mess up the prorations because it's just yep. the organ is weird that way. You pay right? back six months and forward six months. Yeah, in the middle of it. Why? I don't know. Someone told me once it was because that's when you had the money from the harvest when you were a farmer. Well, so it must have been this way a long time. They can't change it now. We're too deep into this yep. thing. That's it's just what it is. People come from other states where they're January to January, and they go, what in the world's going on? I know. Oregon? I said, I don't know. I don't know either. It's just, it's just <laughs> what it is. So watch your mailbox. If they have questions on yellow versus yep. green, call you, call me. Yep. Just so we can figure out and help them through kind of what that looks like. 100%. Yep. Um, what else are you seeing out there for buyers? Like the buyers are getting offers accepted. Now, we know that transactionally numbers are down, right? Not mm -hmm. as many houses are selling today. Um, what are you seeing from your for your clientele? Who is that? Who's buying? People that could a lot, I'd say a big pool of them are people that could not buy when it was 3% interest rates, crazy. when it was super okay. competitive. The people that have low down, those first time, a lot of buyers are first time home yeah, buyers right too. now. I did a, a thing in our meeting this morning yeah. and I had people like raise their hand if any of their like last three pendings were first time home buyers. And it was like all but one. Uh -huh. Like a lot of first time Lots home buyers. Lots of first time home buyers. People that were left in the dark because they didn't have these huge pockets of pools of money mm -hmm. for over asking or, you know, or their budget. You know, like if I approve somebody for 400 and that house wants to go for 450 or 475, those people lost out. Tons of people lost out. Yeah. I had tons of them. So that's a really huge success for people that are um, have saved a lot for a long time and they can see past the interest rates. Yep. Those people that can financially afford the payments. 
uh, they can see that benefit. So a lot of times it's a conversation talking about, mm -hmm. you know, price reductions versus values or, right. you know, hey, here's what a 2-1 buy down is. A lot of my buyers will come in with a strategy of, Stephen, I really can't afford this, but I don't want to buy a house under 400. So, okay, well, what would make that affordable? What's well, not affordable today? So then we actually make a 2-1 buy down their strategy. Yeah. So they might only look at homes that have um, been on the market for a month where we know there might, might be some mm -hmm. flexibility there with the seller. And then we go in at knowing that rate instead of 8% for the first 12 months is only 6%. And that might get them to that next level. So a lot of it is massaging and tweaking and education. Um, not as many second buyers, right? So they're selling and then buying. But like you said earlier, I mean, families expand. People get promotions at jobs. Their their spouses graduate from college and start that nice job. Yeah. And you don't want to be in your house. Well, and sometimes you can be creative. Like we have a brother and sister buying together right now, right? Yeah. Together they qualify for way more than either one of 100%. them would qualify on their own. And so I like that level of creativity also around like, do you have somebody who would co-sign for you? Or do you have somebody who would like that you want to live with? Like the brother and sister is perfect, right? Like they yeah. can live there for a while. At some point, one of them will move out. Yeah. But at least it gives them a place to like grow some equity yeah. and, and do some projects. I mean, and a lot of those people that are struggling just to buy now, now is really the time to buy because later is going to be really tough, right? Yeah. And so we are suggesting a lot of co-signers, right? And you can get a co-signer that's, that's a family member that doesn't have to live in the property. Right. And if you're going to live in the property, it's still an owner-occupied property. You can still take advantage of the low down payment options. You can get gifts from family for to help with down payments and things like that. And, and lots of family want to help. Lots like, of family want to help. Lots of parents want their kids to have a house. And people don't ever want to ask though. And I was like, just ask. And a lot of times, oh, well, they said yes. I just didn't want to ask them. <laughs> yeah. But that happens all the time. Yeah. Well, we want to do it on our own, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's like, this is a hard market. Oh, yeah. And so it's different hard. And I like it better. I like my buyers being able to think about things. I like being able to get that roof put in mm -hmm. and not have to worry about that during inspections. I like being able to do that stuff. Like I love writing an offer and texting my home inspector and being like, hey, pencil me in for Thursday because I know I'll get it accepted. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, I don't know, I wrote a great offer, yeah. but there were 17 no offers. I'm not sure if yeah. we're going to win or not. No. Um, so I like that part of it. It's just, it's a little bit harder. We went right? from one extreme to another, mm -hmm. right? One complete extreme to a complete other. And for agents out there, it's a whole different thing, right? Because a lot of agents haven't been licensed through any of this. Yeah. And so as you think about that, you know, there's a bunch of agents who sold five, six, seven, 12, 25 houses in the middle of COVID without really thinking about it. And now I'm talking to those agents and they're like, I don't know where these, like, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. I was talking to an agent who's like, I've never prospected before. I've never made phone calls. I've never like reached out to my past clients, my sphere, my people. Yeah. And they didn't have to, I guess, but now you do. Like now yeah. you need to understand the market. You need to understand what's out there. I think that you're seeing um, the difference between veterans and not right now. So you see people that have been seasoned, that have been through the different cycles, that have mm -hmm. been through 08, 09, that have been through all these things, that know how to really put in the work yeah. um, and knowledge and spend the extra time to do the research and go to the conference calls and listen to you know, stuff that's happening in the government and really keeping a close pulse so that when we do talk to our buyers, we know exactly what we're talking about. Um, but we're still talking to our borrowers. So, you know, yeah. staying in touch with them, educating them is kind of the biggest thing. And that's, you could call it lead generation or whatever you want to call it, but it's just giving information to your people being and a your resource, sphere and having right? being a resource. Well, and you yeah. think about it, like there's a lot of stuff in the news right now around buyer agent commission and maybe buyer agent commission is going away and maybe mm -hmm. buyers are going to have to pay their own commission. And in this market right now, like we're in a market where I'm, like in 2009, my favorite trick was to tell my sellers to increase my commission. And it wasn't my commission they were increasing. They would commission, increase the commission they were paying to the buyer's agent. Uh -huh. Because instead of two and a half, they'd pay three, or they'd pay four, or they'd pay yep. five. 
And that was a much smaller percentage than a price reduction. Well, we're back there, right? Yeah. Like I have three or four listings that my next conversation with my seller is going to be around, what do you think about increasing, not what you're going to pay me, but what you're going to pay that buyer's agent to bring that buyer. Yep. Because in a market where, you know, to, this morning it was 2.9 months of inventory is latest numbers for the Portland metro market, yeah. which is a really, like seven counties, so that's a big low. thing. Yeah. It's still pretty low, but it's really high yeah. comparatively, right? Yeah. And so I went to a listing appointment this weekend in West Lynn, and I had like this many active properties in a pretty small, tight search. And that, I haven't really had that before. Yeah. And so at the table, I said, you guys are you guys are in a pocket of high inventory. That yeah. like Westland, 600 to $900,000, 3,000 square feet, plus or minus, three or four bedrooms. Like there was a lot of competition out there. Out? How are you yeah. going to stand out? And maybe you stand out by offering the buyer's agent more. You certainly have mm -hmm. to stand out by pre presentation, yeah. right? You have to look the best. I showed eight houses to um, the clients that were working together on Sunday, and all but one of them was staged. Wow. All seven other homes were staged. Looked amazing when we walked in. I think one was occupied, but they all had furniture. The one they ended up making an offer on, ironically, was the one that wasn't staged. Oh. And it felt cold. It felt bare. Now, luckily, I'm really good at helping my buyers picture visualize it, uh -huh, yeah. what it's going to be. And I should, I even showed them some pictures of like, look, imagine if you put new countertops on here and they're like, Oh, that looks way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought I might need new cabinetry. I'm like, Oh, you don't need new cabinetry. You just need not that like horrible granite tile yeah. countertop. But if that house would have been staged, it already would have sold. Yeah. So they got a better deal because the seller didn't stage it. But for my sellers, I'm like, Oh, it's all about presentation. You have to stage right now. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do everything you can to make your house appealing. And you have to turn the heat on. <laughs> it's cold. It is. It is raining. Right? Yeah. But yeah. when we walk into that house and it's colder inside the house and outside the house, yeah. like my buyer doesn't want to stick around. It's fall. And in this last quarter of the year, even more important, right? Like yeah. at least we're not to the point where we were in 08, 09 when people were like giving away cars of like a lease. You can, here, here's a BMW. Yeah. Uh, if you buy my property, we're not to that, right? No. And we're not going to get to it's that. It's not like that. But, but like you said, there is more inventory in neighborhoods. So it is important to stand out with yeah. staging, with... Uh, maybe a buyer's agent commission, you know, increase or things like that. Just to just what can up. you do? How and do you think outside yeah. the box, right? Yeah. How do you think outside the box so that your house sells and the buyer picks it, right? Because mm -hmm. you have to, like, you have to be the one they pick. Something people don't understand is that you can get 100% financing. Yeah. You don't need a huge down payment. You don't need to have a bunch of money in savings and you don't have to have perfect credit. No, I agree. There's lots of myths, myths around 20% down, right? Mm -hmm. People think they still need 20% down. And they don't. Now, I like people to have a little bit of money, right? They need to have earnest money. They need to have money for inspection. But you don't need twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars no. to buy a house. And most people think you need an FHA loan as a first-time home buyer to get low down, and you don't. You can do three percent down conventional or one of our special hundred percent financing. Yeah. Something I think that most people don't understand is that once they have that mortgage and they're locked in, they can refinance, yeah. right? Yeah. And what kind of costs are associated with that? What does that look like? What kind of equity do you think they need to have before they can refinance? Yeah. So, so if you have someone, so here's the thing: you don't have to refinance it ever if you don't want to. You can refinance, and I think a lot of times it's advantageous, advantageous to refinance. But you want to make sure that your payment is dropping enough to justify the cost. Yeah. It's a math and problem. It's a math problem, and so we run a break even. It's okay. This cost. You know, $4,000 and you're saving $1,000 a month, it's going to take three and a half years to break even. Are you going to be in that house three and a half years? Okay, great. Well, then this makes sense. Yep. Um, an average cost of a refinance, what you have to realize is that a lot of the same stuff is, happens again, right? So you have a new appraisal, a title. There's a title search. There's an escrow officer. They have to re-record a new note. So you have all of those third-party fees. Um, we're running a no-lender fee um, promotion, but let's say we weren't. 
you're still paying your lender fees. You're paying your title, your escrow, your recording, your appraisal. If you have an escrow account, you're reestablishing your escrow account. So, so do you think the rate needs to be like half percent lower, one percent lower, or do you yeah. think it just depends and a buyer needs to reach out to you? It's it's tricky. So so actually, so so the lower the loan amount, right? So if you have a $150,000 loan and your rate moves a half of a percent, your payment might only move you know, $30, $40. So it's not going to make a lot of sense. So you need a huge rate improvement on a smaller loan. But let's say you have a $700,000 loan. That's a big loan. I mean, a 1% reduction in rate on a $700,000 property is going to be a lot better than it would be for somebody that had one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So that's where running that math of, because a title escrow recording and appraisal fee is going to be the same on a $100,000 deal as it is on the $700,000 right. deal or similar. And so um, that cost based on your loan amount is is going to take a lot longer to break even on the smaller loan amount. So that's why some people will target um, you know, a certain amount of monthly savings. I personally say if you break even in three years or less, then it's good to refinance. Um, but you know, some people want it even more conservative than that, like two years. Some people are like, the first thing I ask people on a refinance is what's your goal in this house? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to refinance it? Are you going to turn it into a rental property? What are you going to do with this property? And then I say, do you know exactly what you're doing in three years? And they say, well, no, I have no idea. So sometimes I say, well, if this loan takes three years to break even and you're going to sell in a year and a half, you're just giving me extra money. And I don't get it. The bank does and they keep it. But banks make a gazillions of dollars by people that buying down points or doing things and they never even break even and they sell the house before they ever have broken right. even. Yeah.